Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. That we are, James. And today we are diving in to get a little further into the timeline, the alternate timeline, if you will, of the time heist. I will. We are back for some more Avengers Endgame, and we are starting at 1 hour, 42 minutes, and 57 seconds. And we are running from 1 hour to 43 minutes and 41 seconds. So once again, almost a full, cool minute, but not quite. And here's what happens. The elevator door opens up, and as two folks make their way off, the two Starks, I mean Starks and Potts, make their way onto it. Tony, the fake Howard, says, So, flowers and sauerkraut. You got a big date tonight? Howard sort of shakes the can a little and says, uh, my wife is expecting. That statement hits Tony, and he looks not exactly surprised, but it's kind of a little bit of that, and also a small splash of excitement and a little something else. Howard continues and then gently raises the flowers, saying, and too much time at the office. The timing of everything clearly hits Tony. The surprise part of that expression almost fully takes over for a moment, as you can see his face had a look of, wow, I didn't even think of that. Tony has a almost thousand-yard stare when he says a very quiet congratulations, and then he snaps back to it. Thanks. Hold these, will ya? Uh, yeah, sure. Tony now holds the flowers and the can. How far along is she? Uh, I don't know. And as Howard tries to redo his tie, he also tries to make an estimation of growth and then goes back to fixing his tie. She's at the point where she can't stand the sound of my chewing. Tony laughs as Howard quietly accepts his fate of eating in the pantry again. Tony gets serious very quickly, realizing that their conversation is about to come to an end. I have a little girl. A girl would be nice. Less of a chance she'd turn out exactly like me. There's a small beat, but Tony smiles. What would be so awful about that? Let's just say that the greater good has rarely outweighed my own self-interest. And that line hits Tony a bit, as Howard pats his arm and begins to exit the elevator. I have uh, a few thoughts on this scene, but James, I was wondering if you have any thoughts on this scene. So, uh, yes. Okay, so my thoughts, I love... I guess it's the execution of John Slattery being like, I don't know, this big. Like, just, like it's a it's a thing where every time I watch it, I don't understand what he's doing until he's almost done doing it. And then I'm like, oh, oh, that's adorable. Like, it's it's one of those things where it's because it's the time that it is and he's who he is and everything about it contextually makes it fine and kind of cute that he's like, I don't know, rough measurement. I'm an engineer. I don't know, this. Uh, I don't know. Like, it. something about that really charms me a lot. Um, and uh, Stark, Howard Stark would prefer to have a girl. Uh, a couple of things. Um, it's weird when your dad says that he would prefer to have a girl to you, his son, not knowing that you're his son. That's a fun time travel thing. Also... Same. I, 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 you know, I love, I love Matt very, very much. Uh, but having a daughter first was 
just exactly what I wanted. And the thing about it is that, you know, Matt is not by any means a typical sort of stereotypical boy. So like, I don't have to worry about any things I was, any of the things I was worried about, which kind of is sort of a theme of parenting, which is like the thing, like it's that thing where it's like, have you seen a thing where it's like, you are the person that younger you, you are like the kind, the person that younger you would have found safe. Right. Like that kind of thing. It's sort of like that, but for your kids, like, Unless something has gone horribly, horribly wrong, it's really unlikely that your kid's going to turn out to be like a kind of person that you don't like in terms of like, you know, oh, I always got, I always got picked on by jocks. Hopefully my kid doesn't turn out to be a jock. Like it, that kind of, or at least a jock that would pick on kids. It, it's, right. it's, it's a lot easier to prevent that than it sometimes seems like it is uh when you're writing like a you know a short story about about time travel where there needs to be some sort of ironic twist or whatever so right i mean i think like in terms of things like that i feel like a lot of the times what most people are more worried about is the something that i'll come back to in a little bit but it's a little bit of the not wanting to repeat the sins of the father sure you know and that is i think a big moment for howard to openly yeah. admit that he knows what his downfall is. Yeah. Um, and the sad thing is that, again, he does also reconcile with that later, which is funny because by, by this point, Tony has already seen that, that moment right. where, you know, Howard has said it, but of course Howard hasn't said it yet in this scene, which is, again, this is why time travel is so fun. Um, but like, in a way, it's almost like a full circle thing for that moment yeah. for Tony of sort of seeing the moment where he first addresses it but doesn't fix it immediately, right? You know, because it's going to take time for it to sink in for Howard. Um, uh, what I found in terms of sins of the father repeating in the past, I, you know, I don't make kid to grow up anything to be anything like me. That does gender doesn't come into it. <laughs> Lila is exactly like me, like exactly so anything that i've been worried about like oh gosh hope my son isn't whatever that does it you're 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 worried you're worried about the wrong thing like listen there are things that i am not living with the guilt of having done bird dogging sort of stuff that that whatever but like your child can be just like you and also not be the same gender as you. And that is I, I totally think that doable. This is something that we probably like specifically like a son repeating the father's sins kind of thing is a thing that I think you saw way more of probably through the nineties, maybe yeah. early two thousands. But I think we're definitely starting to get away from it simply because we are now out of necessity having to sort of view the both parents as equals, or at least right. most households are. There are still households that are not, which is, I right. think, what what makes that sort of like gendered or binary aspect of it ring true. Like back then, the big thing would have been, of course, most of the time, most families could survive on one parent being working and one parent being at home. Right. right. So like that's where a lot of that comes from, because like if the father's not around then the son might only, you know, get what he can from the father and then that could you know, if he's not careful, the son might then end up becoming just like that because right. most most 
men or most boys, especially back then, uh, were looking for that influence, you know? Right. Now, I think nowadays, nowadays, I think we're all well more accepting and understanding of like men having role models that are not men and still being able to be brought up just fine, stuff like that. Right. Absolutely. 100%. That's all I wanted to say. Uh, It's such an of its time thing to be like, uh, like to have a girl because that way, whatever. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I also think that it's also like, like, for example, for you, right, it is probably easier to recognize your daughter being one and the same as you, right? But I think back then, especially when you had this society, I mean, we still kind of do, but we're way better at it than we were then. We used to come from a society where, like, men had to keep their feelings and stuff like that and emotions in check, right? Yeah. And so I think... Also, the aspect of this is that, like, you know, if you're teaching the boy, well, just be a man, grow up and stuff like that, you're worried that the son is going to repeat it because it's like he's also going to have to deal with this sort of world as I am, right? Whereas, (laughs) you know, girls might be able to express themselves in a way that men can't, even if they would then still be chastised for a totally different reason. But, you know, um, I think a part of it comes down to also... You know, again, genetically, it doesn't always mean the same, right? But sure. I think that a lot of the times, like when you look at, like, for example, a boy and the boy looks exactly like the father and starts acting like the father, it's almost that consideration of like a mini me. I feel mm-hmm. like it seems more concerning because here's the thing. If he had a daughter and the daughter started to follow down the same path, he probably still would have those feelings. Right. But in his head, he's hoping that, well... If it's a girl, she might look more like her mother, and then maybe she might end up being more like her mother. You know, like it's again, it's a bunch of not fully understanding things, but also just hoping to not fully see themselves repeated yeah. in their own children. Um, Who's the most Tony Stark female MCU character? Is it Jen Walters? It's possible Jen Walters. I kind of feel like. To some extent, before Wakanda Forever, I I might have said Shuri. There was a Shuri. lot of there was a yeah. lot of the same level of like, and I think well deserved, you know, on both on both sides, like self mm. courage and self confidence, and like like you know, really like living their lives up and being like you know like I'm I'm a genius, like look at me, like I don't need to kind of conform to these other. Right things like these traditional things it's like i'm a genius like what are you gonna do but then of course everyone there's always someone to sort of elbow them to be like you're in a business meeting or you're at this traditional (laughs) you know ceremony settle down she starts to walk forward to challenge him it's the funniest thing i mean it's a good scene yeah it's a good moment but like i don't think uh, it's riri williams though i think that that she has a different vibe than tony i do think she has a different vibe i think that like I think there's like there is a part of Tony Stark in there, right? Like, because yeah. I think that like her thing specifically is that you know she sees this this creator, she sees this suit, she sees all these things that she does like respect and admire. But I think there's also other aspects of her that keep her different, which is good because you don't want people who are in necessarily the same suits and stuff like that. Okay, not to say that they're the same, but I mean like they are inspired sure. by they are. Sure. 
they are both the, you know, the, flying the, um, metallic suits. What's the thing know? from uh, the lineage? Like, there's like a, a legacy. They're, right, like a legacy. Ironheart right. is an Iron Man's legacy. I mean, that's like, that's a good yeah. point. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. like even if he doesn't directly talk to her or whatever, right? Right. There is a legacy there. It's kind of like going to DC for a moment. Yes, it is the same hero oh. name, right? But like, there's a good example. Of this would be like Blue Beetle, right? Right. Blue Beetle is a character where the very first Blue Beetle, Ted Cord, had a very different look and a very different um, like costume and all this other stuff. But like, then there's another Blue Beetle. But like, Ted Cord dies before right. he can meet the new Blue Beetle. And so like, right. they are both very different. But at the end of the day, he does have this legacy. And like, there's always some confusion because there's a moment where he's like, there are a lot of people that think I'm just the first guy in a new suit. He's like, right. a lot of the times these people don't recognize that we are not the same. Now, granted, it's going to be a little bit easier to tell with Tony Stark in this situation because, A, everybody knew Tony Stark was Iron Man. But also, he's a guy. This is a, a you know a woman. So there's right. you know there's some differences there. But like there's yeah. these legacies and these things that are yeah. created. That's one of the reasons why like I think that in... Captain America, uh, sorry, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the the conversation of like being true to Captain America's legacy, yeah, also really hit Rhodey pretty hard, yeah, because like Rhodey is also dealing with the same struggle about his yeah. best friend, and like he is also a legacy to him, yeah, you know, true. and like there's some 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 parallels there, but like I think it's frustrating for him because you know he can't quite influence in some ways but also he's like trying yeah. to help but like he has to keep it you know respectable and so like i think there's there's a moment in there where you can see his frustration in it yeah you know because it's like you know it's not how he would handle it all that other stuff you know yeah um and also yeah. again it's like you know we we put them both up on pedestals but they're very different pedestals yeah because yeah. you know we we also recognize all of the flaws of Tony Stark. But like right. the but humanity never really looked at the flaws of Captain America. So there's you know until until this guy came along. This guy right here, me. That's true. I mean, now granted, I will say once civil war <laughs> happened there was a little bit of conversation, but like I yeah. I think that's also a different side of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, sure. I still don't think it was the same thing as talking about like the flaws of the man necessarily. Right. Um exactly. But like Anyway, the whole point is yep. legacy stuff is is important, right? Yeah. And legacy is an interesting thing. We're going to get to that in a second because I do have a legacy-related question. Okay. But there's something that was so interesting to me because, like, I knew about this both way earlier in Endgame and, like, way later at the end. And also in Far From Home, there's a line about it, right? But there's something that I had don't think had really hit me in this moment until I rewatched it for, like, the 80th time. Uh, when watching for my notes and stuff like that. The line when he says, um, hang on, the greater good has rarely outweighed my own self-interest. That is something that has hit Tony because even though he made a shift away from weapons because he believes that now it's for the greater good, right, right. To, to shift away from that, he Peace still continued to, exactly, beast in our time, uh, he continues to make moves that really are, he believes, are both for the greater good and his self-interest, but it is still really just what his father did, right? right? Think of the end of, of Agent Carter, like, listen, it, like, in the hands of, like, a proper facility and, and like, you know, uh, power and check kind of thing, 
we right. could use zero matter to truly you know move this country and this you know this world 10 20 years into the future kind of thing you right. know um and they kind of ignore that right because they're like it is for your self-interest right but like <laughs> right you know as much as he tries to tell himself it's for the greater good it is for his self-interest a right. lot of things for Tony have been about both, right? But <laughs> the greater good, yeah, my self-interest. I'm greater. There's an interesting moment. That's a good point. There is an interesting thing to me about how Endgame works for Tony Stark, mm-hmm. and that is that it's one of the moments within the MCU that, for him specifically, the greater good and his self-interest are intrinsically connected. Right. Right. Yeah. And part of his thing is like, look, if we fail, like, and if I die or whatever, like, that's going to be angering because I, you know, I have a daughter, I have a thing that I'm trying to protect. However, on the flip side of that, there are a lot of people that would get, you know, that would be brought back, that would be saved. And specifically, the thing that makes him go back, the thing that makes him change his mind is, and and I'm looking ahead of time, but again, we're not going to get to this scene for so long, so I'm going to bring it up. Right. He is... At the house, they've already asked him to fix this problem, and he's like, no. And then while he's cleaning up and moving things around, he comes back across the picture of him and Peter Parker, you know, doing, like, right before the press conference that didn't actually happen. Well, it happened, but not in the way that they said. And, you know, him presenting him the award for, the, you know, the the uh, the, the grant, quote-unquote. Right. Um, and they have that moment you know, where he looks at that and he realizes that like that was the greater good is everyone, but also it's him. And it's also his self-interest to bring him back. Right. Right. Um, and so in this moment, he is standing here in front of his father because of that. Yeah. And I think it's one of the reasons why he kind of stops for a second. Like he is realizing that, I mean, again, as much as he says that it's for the greater good, in this moment, it really is specifically for this one person that is in his self-interest. Right. But like he has to kind of keep pushing forward after kind of reminding himself, but it doesn't affect just him. Right. It's that I'm letting him affect my decision to help everybody. You know? Yeah. And potentially lose what I have now. You know? Yeah. Um, so there's there's all of that. There's uh, a, there's a thing I just thought of. Um, with the elevator. Mm-hmm. I don't think we got this so much when they were going down in the elevator, but coming back up in an elevator from beneath the surface of the earth with your father has a very Dante Dante's Inferno sort of thing, or like mm. a going down to the underworld, like a um, mm. Herc- Orpheus going down to the underworld sort of stuff, like to retrieve an ancestor or a dead loved one or whatever. Mm-hmm. It doesn't play out for more than that elevator ride because then you know we're back to reality oh good there goes gravity but like it in this moment in the elevator there's a very like returning from below to the to to the earth like to the to midgard if you will and i think that there's there's something cool about that about talking there's something very sort of i guess mythological about talking to your father while you return up to the you know to the mortal plane sort of stuff. I think also on the same side of that, he goes down there, right, to find these things, but he goes down there and it's dark. He's down there in the darkness Mm -hmm. with his father, but as he goes on to save the world, 
And as his father kind of goes on to basically make and create him and you know, to do this yeah. sort of thing, they both get brought into the light mm-hmm. and towards that. a elevated perspective, almost as though they are being brought, you know, to light, like to an end, to a higher existence, you know, yeah. or whatever you want to call that, like a higher being, not being, but like they are. Bring me a higher love. I don't know the word. I don't. I don't want to say saved because that seems really weird. Because that's definitely not what that is. But like, they are moving from the depths and like the dark, you know, yeah, stuff of that world, and sort of being released in in that moment. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's a. I feel like it's, it's sort another of a sanctification, sort of like purification kind of deal. It's also kind of like the same way we've envisioned the last scene of Endgame being potentially mm. almost like this vision of like. What mm-hmm. if that's his after death sort of thing? Right. It's the same thing of like his father still also being stuck in the archives and in the dark mm. under stuff. Like even in, in the past, you know, still being stuck in that work. And it's like now they're both done. Like their their legacy to some extent is complete. So they can both go up and like be with the people yes. that they want to be with. You Love know? That. So yeah. there is an interesting way of like, again, we know it's happening in real time and in real life, but I feel like it's, there's always symbolism in all these things, you know? Absolutely. And I feel Absolutely. like there's, you could have easily done this like in a giant, like ground level building that was just like a maze of a building. Yes. You could still yes. do all of this stuff, but I think it's more impactful by them going underground and yeah. all this other stuff and having these other scenes happen, you know? Yeah, for um, sure. So, Absolutely. Um, before we get out of here though, I have a question yeah. for you. Love it. Um, and it's it's a little heavy. I'm gonna be honest. Love it. But let's let's get to it because it is an interesting thing uh, to talk about. Which is, what do you think about legacy and having something in common with your parents, good or bad? Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because if you don't realize that you have it, like if 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 I did something like. Actually, our last conversation uh, that we had on with regards to Tony and Howard Stark and sort of time travel and whatever, I'm talking to my mom about my grandfather tomorrow. I'm going to give her a call. She's going to talk to me about because I I sort of had sort of a, you know, this was two episodes ago, sort of had sort of a realization. I don't know if it made the cut or whatever about my uh, my mom's dad and sort of how I might have a lot of uh, things in common with him. Mm -hmm. And so a legacy is only as real as the acknowledgement of its existence. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you look at those like, um, you know, ancestry.com 23 and me. Oh, I just got, or like a, who do you think you are sort of stuff. I am. Oh, sorry. Right. Exactly. Cause I like, am who Iron do you Man. think you are? I am. You ever, you've seen that clip, right? No. Okay. What? I'll send it to you. It's, it's one of the funniest sound bites. Oh my God. I need to put that in. There is a guy who, uh, what is his name? I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, hang on. Who do you think? You are, I am. It's um, uh, Pete Weber won this like major bowling thing. Oh, like, yes, 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 yes. he says the most unhinged sentence you've ever heard. Yes, I which, do like, recall that. He, it doesn't make any sense, but he turns to the audience and he goes, who do you think you are? I am. And you're like, what? But it was amazing <laughs> just because you happened to say, who do you think you are? Yes. Yeah. It's just a perfect uh, way to set that up. Anyway, sorry. Excellent, excellent. Uh, you know that TV show, Who Do You Think You Are? Yeah. Okay. Um, where like, you're like, oh yeah, I see, you know, I see that I'm related to a, you know, a merchant Marine and I too like 
sailing or whatever. At that point, it's weird because is that a legacy or is that just, you know, looking for a pattern that isn't there? I think that I like to think that I'm great parts of, of both my parents and bad parts of both my parents. I don't like to think that I'm bad parts of both my parents, but I've accepted that I'm bad parts of both my parents. Um, But the cool thing is that you're a dice roll of your parents and you get to see sort of what combinations are for the good and what combinations for the bad. So the legacy is almost like, uh, almost like a mixed drink. It's like, Mm -hmm. does, does this, do these flavors work off each other or, or is it a weird sort of clash of flavor? Like, you know, how does it work? Are we getting a Dr. Pepper situation here? Like where it's like, this shouldn't work, but it does sort of stuff. Or is it like a Brad Pimm's drink where it's more like, <laughs> it's a callback. Uh, but you know what Good I mean? I th- so I think legacy is uh, is a really interesting thing because it's both, it's sort of there if you look at look for it, but it's not something that like is, it's sort of, actually, it's sort of like the um, the ghosts in Super Mario. Yeah. Where like if you're looking at them, they're coming at you. But if right. you aren't, then they may as well not even be there. That's sort of yeah, what it's like the other it way around. Like. If you're looking right at them, they 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 don't move. But if you turn, Colin, around, it's sort of like the opposite of the ghosts from Mario. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right. So you mean boo, and also the opposite, and you're like, mm, it's it's oob yeah. is what it is. It's a little bit oob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would say legacy is oob. It's a little oob. Pretty yeah. much. Yeah, ooby um, ooby oo. <laughs> where or who are you? No, okay, so I, I will say <laughs> what, in regards yeah, what to what you? you're saying, though, um, I think the cool thing to me about this, right, is that we frequently, I think, look at the world as like people frequently go like, is it nature or is it nurture? Yeah. Right? Like, we, yes. like I don't think it, you know, a lot of the times I feel like people treat it as if it has to be one or the other. Right. But I think it's both. I think there are right. things that happen with us that are nature and there are things that are nurture and it's a little bit of i know we talked about it maybe even in the end game stuff already but because i know i've said this on a podcast recently but the idea of two children growing up in a house with an alcoholic father one of them becomes an alcoholic and is like well i am this way because of my father versus the other one that chooses to always be responsible knowing that addiction runs in the family and stuff like that and says i am this way because of my father right do you Um, know that we we've talked about it on this show in yeah. 1970, but not Endgame. It was with regards to the uh, Malik brothers. That's that right. Made, I, was, yep. I knew it was recently. Yeah, you're right. It was about the Malik <laughs> brothers. Um, and that was perfect because it was two brothers. Um, yeah, exactly. So yeah. That makes sense. But like, I think that that's sort of what it is too, right? Because like, I, yes. you know, I, I've not been shy about it within content and stuff like that, right? Like, there's someone who is a father figure to me that is not my blood father, right? Right. Um, but like, Colin O'Brien. Uh, is a guy who has so much influence on my life. And like, I know that there are traits of mine that I think were sort of developed by spending so much time around him. And I am, of course, talking about being a Bills fan. No, I'm kidding. I mean, (laughs) that is a part of it though, right? No, but like, but like it's, I'll never forget we had a conversation one time where he was like, you know, you have to be really careful sometimes when you talk about, you know, this one thing, right? You know, like when you get into these sorts of conversations, 
um, with these sorts of people, right? I, I won't divulge all the secrets forever. It's he was like, But he was just like, sometimes, he goes, it's not always, he goes, but sometimes you get an opinion and then you refuse to accept other opinions, right? Oh, like, uh-huh. and, I, and I was like, okay. And then I was like, I learned it from watching you. And his wife, who was in the room, laughed so hard and so loudly. And then she was like, he's got you there. And he did not like that answer. Because <laughs> it was like it was a little bit of you know, being like, oh, yeah, and just holding up a mirror. And he was like, I am what you made me. And pretty much. And he was like, uh, you know, but anyway, no, but like, I think there's just stuff from him that I definitely have gotten. But there's stuff from like my parents that I've definitely gotten. I mean, yeah. You know, uh, not to put my mom on blast, but I feel like it, this, it's a safe place to do this. Uh, hi, my Collins, mom and I, mom. Ready yeah, to be on blast? Mom. Here it goes. No, but we we had a conversation, I want to say within the last year, um, maybe two years, where we were talking about the things that we have in common with each other. Mm. And one of the things being sometimes a difficulty in apologizing. Or being able to say that I'm sorry. Now, it is something that I think that I, and you know, I think that I learned to get over way earlier than she mm. did. But the reason for that, again, is a nurture situation, right? Like mine came from a really bad relationship right. where I was, you know, gaslit and all this other stuff. And effectively, Everything was my fault. So right. I got used to apologizing for everything, even if it wasn't my fault. And so now, ironically, I apologize too much. Right. But as a child, I definitely got the hard-headedness a little bit of, you know, of, you know, of my my mom who uh, had admitted to me that, like, you know, as a child, when the two of us would sort of get into an argument or to a fight, the problem was, was that my father knew that she wasn't going to apologize for her, you know, for her side of things. Right. Um, but also recognize that I wasn't going to either. So he was trying yeah. to quote unquote, teach me a lesson and would make uh-huh. me go apologize to her. But like we both physically could, we, you know, by looking each other in the eye, we knew that I did not mean it. When I walked in the room and be like, I'm sorry for the thing that I said or the thing that I did. Right. Like, and I would just be like, okay, all right. You know, but like we would both just be like, we knew that he was putting me up to it, but also that like that I had to do it, but also that she had to respect it. And so we would just sort of move on from it. You know, we would just sort of forget it. We wouldn't actually forgive, but we would just sort of forget it. And it was, you know, right. that was a weird and hard lesson. And the thing is that I think that it took a lot of growth because a lot of parents, I think, can't live up to their mistakes. That's why I feel this is such an important or an, an, an okay thing to talk about. You know, the fact that like a couple years ago, we had the conversation about that aspect of my childhood and she apologized to me for not being able to like let go of things at that time and that she thought that she was better about it. And I would agree with that. I don't think we've had the kind of, you know, arguments at all that I had as a kid, especially as a kind of hot headed little, you know, Son of a gun. Uh, just a, a sort of, just, I just had too much energy and, you know, a lot of no place to put it and all that. So just, I was always sort of, I think, frustrated and all that other sort of thing, you know, and it, the, yeah. it just sort of built up, it bottled up and I would always explode, you know. Um, sure. But then, of course, by being who we both are, 
it would always come to a head and just wouldn't work out, right? So, right. but my point though is that like we've been able to conversate about that. And I feel like there are a lot of people who never get to have those conversations with their parents. Uh, and I feel like that was a big moment for the two of us. Yeah, that's huge, um, dude. But in regards to that, right, here's another thing. And again, if this is too deep, you don't have to respond. Oh. But oh, yeah, no. what do you want your kids to have like you? Like if there was like a, a part of your legacy that you wish that they would carry on, what would it be? But also what would you not want them to have? Oh, man. Okay. I mean, I think that what I don't want them to have is a sense that uh, sticking with something is uh, is the same as like loyalty or or mm. st- or 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 you know staying at a place that you don't like and sort of just putting your head down is the same as uh is something admirable necessarily like i've i've learned too many lessons too many times that it's like no one values that and they you know they used to but i i wasn't alive in the time when they when they did <laughs> like sure. you know like <laughs> like it used to be put your head down, do your job, you're fine at it, you get a gold watch at the end of 50 years or whatever, and then you you die of cholesterol. But most but, most companies, I'm not saying that no companies, but I'm saying most right. companies don't really have career jobs anymore. I, right, exactly. I've been at, uh, I've had two jobs since college. Yeah. And that is a, not a lot compared to the people that have come and gone at my jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I don't know how to... I don't know when I'm going to say this and it's going to sound like I'm whatever, but I mean it in like the negative way. I don't know when to quit. Right. And I don't know how, like I've always been like, Oh, you need to have a job lined up and I've never been able to line up a job, you know? So, um, so that I'm just sort of sticking with something because just for the sake of sticking with it is sort of what I don't want to pass on. And I actively don't pass on like, you know, Lila had an art teacher, an art class that she's ended up for. She loves art. She went to two classes and then she's like, can I not go anymore? The teacher basically, uh, if you don't do what she says, she takes the brush out of your hand and does it for you. And I was like, this is what we're paying for. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're good. You're, You're good to not go. And Kristen's like, I mean, I don't know. Can you go one more? I was like, no, 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 no. She's if she's she's taking the brush out of your hand. She's not letting you do art. Then you, you know you're not doing art. And there's it's non-refundable class, so whatever. But like, don't stay at something that is actively causing you to be upset because it's sure. not. So, I mean. And what I do hope they take from me is I'm not going to be able to help. Like, you know, joking around, ragging on movies like they already all the stuff they already do. Lila is really funny because you can tell when she's a little bit nervous about how a movie is going because she'll ramp up like every little every single line, everything, every movement, every choice, every little bit gets sort of nitpicked. And you can tell that it's because she's like that's how she's dealing with fear or tension or or high emotion is like. Oh yeah, look this, look that, and you're just like, all right, right. (laughs) And like, it's funny because it's there's a couple there's things that you know you see early on in your kids that you're like, boy, when you hone that into something palatable, it's gonna be awesome. But for right now, it's 
basically intolerable. Like it just because they're, you know, it's that thing where it's like, I told a joke, it got a laugh. Let me say it again. They're past that point. Fortunately, because that's, that's one of the, the great pet peeves of my life. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's the reason why I don't want to be an elementary school guidance counselor, but it's not, not one of them. Like I can't stand. Yeah. I know you, I know you've, you've done nothing to change that joke. Give me an alt. That's fine. But don't just say the same joke over again. Stupid kids. Um, Can't wait to work with them. So yeah. I mean, like I think that I'm showing them Simpsons. I'm showing, you know, whatever they're, they're getting all the, all the stuff that I, that I want them to, um, just because I'm trying to teach them to not be ashamed of the things they like. So that's, that's a lesson that I, I, it didn't, I didn't have to learn, but I did sort of have to reinforce for myself. Like that just because you like something and someone else doesn't, that doesn't mean you need to stop liking it. It took a lot longer to realize like, and they're not wrong for thinking that, you know, what you like is not good. Right. Yeah. It's still something that I struggle with to this day, as you well know, as you mm-hmm. very, very well know. <laughs> yeah, we had a conversation about it right before this episode. It was Iron not fun. No, I'm kidding. Fist. No, I'm kidding. Uh, oh God. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with with those sentiments. I feel like for me, yeah. like you know, should I ever hopefully have kids someday? I would love to see like you know the creative side kind of continue. I would yeah. love to see the, you know, for me, okay. Part of my legacy was that I was like, I would like to have kids because neither of the cousins on my dad's side of the family plan on having kids. And I was like, listen, you know, the grandfather that I know I mentioned just last time or two times ago, you know, uh, he was genuinely such a great guy. And like, I don't want to see like that type of person die out in this world. And, Mm. you know, I don't think I'm perfect in that regard. I don't think I've come close necessarily but i think that i've definitely gotten better at trying to you know to be a better person and to strive to be a better person and so if i can hopefully continue that a little bit more in this world you know uh to continue to put out some people who do good versus that do you know bad yeah um that would make a a big difference to me i think again seeing the creativity but also if if a kid of mine's like i'm gonna be a baseball player i'm not gonna be like uh no you better pick that trombone back up kid you know right no i'm not gonna do that um you have to pick it up because you have to you know it's goddamn (laughs) i also want them to have the idea of like not giving up on things yes um i won't say where this comes from right um even though i don't think they'll ever hear it but like there are some people in uh, multiple people actually from within uh, family within my bloodline on, you know, whatever side uh, that I feel like at the first sign of not getting their way with something or whatever, yeah. they've just given up on things. Yeah. And I've seen it like, and I'm saying that it, it's literally more than one person. I've seen multiple people. It's just like the, the fact that they give up on something or an idea or whatever, so quickly. And it's like, I, I'm still doing, you know, podcasting and creative works and stuff like that. Despite none of them currently really like, you know, paying any of my bills or I'm not famous or whatever. Right. And if I, if I never get famous because of them or whatever, fine. Yeah. But I still want to be able to create and to do the things like 
it's my passion. Why would I stop aiming for it? It yeah. drives me nuts to have someone say, this is my passion, but then they, they've given up on it. It's like, then it's not your passion. If it was right. your passion, you would never stop. Like you could do something else in addition, you know, to like supplement or whatever. Like that's fine. I don't, I don't mind that. There are so many like musicians and artists and stuff like that who do that. Yeah. But like to be like, this was always my end goal. And then to just sort I mean, of toss it away. Passions can come and go. I mean, like you, like, I don't think that it's like. If you if you aren't into that thing, you never were sort of straight edge level. No, of- I'm not saying that it's not that they don't care about it anymore, right? Because I think that's not the same thing. Like to okay, so a good example of this would be like if you were like, I always wanted to be a football player, right? right. Granted, there is going to be a point in time in your life where you can no longer be a football player, right? right? I think that's different, right? To be like, I gave up on that because my body is at a point where it couldn't do that anymore, right? right? I don't think that's the same thing. But like, and specifically about like being a creative person, if you're like, I still really would love to be, you know, let's just, okay, I'm going to pick a random instrument just for the sake of argument, right? Let's say you're like, I want to be a trumpet player that plays for like some major, like either opera house or symphonic orchestra. Like I want to be in a group that is like known, right? And you're like, okay. And you practice and you practice and you practice and you go to one audition and it doesn't go your way. And then you're like, well, there goes my dream. Right. But like every sure. time someone brings it up, you're like, yeah, you know, I used to play trumpet. I kind of wish I still did. And it's like, you still own it. Go pick it up. Yeah. You could, you could still do it. Like there is still time to, even if it's just a local orchestra or whatever, it might not be the thing that you were aiming for, like specifically like at the top level. Like what right. I love to be someone who only podcasts, you know, like for a living of course I would. If this podcast specifically was all I had to worry about, it would be truly the greatest joy of my life, right? But like, just because it isn't doesn't mean I'm going to go, well, James, we had a good run, but 300 episodes in, I got to call it quits. You know what I mean? I don't want people, I don't want to see, you know, people just quit just because it doesn't become a success immediately. You know what I mean? Oh, agreed. Okay. I agree. I see. I see. Yes. There, so there's a difference between between I'm not I'm not successful at this, and so I'm going to stop doing it. Versus, I don't have time to do this anymore because I have kids now, or I have this right. other thing I that would, I'm doing. I would I would agree with that as well, right? Because it's but like that doesn't mean know, that it wasn't a passion. Right. I'm not saying it's not a passion at all, right? But I mean, like, right. okay, here's here's another good example of exactly what you're saying, right? Let's say you have two kids and okay. a, a full-time job. And okay. you're like, I always wanted you. to be, again, still going back to the, to, the, to the orchestra thing that I was talking about, right? Right. Okay, maybe you don't have the ability or time to go be in, like, the National Symphony Orchestra because they have so many requirements for practices that just simply don't work with your family life, right? Right. But, like... There's a local small community orchestra that rehearses maybe once a week for two hours and has two concerts in a year, you know, where it's like I could talk to my spouse to be able to get out of the house for two hours for myself once a week to do this thing, right? Like that's the sort of thing where it's like you do have an option to still do that passion, right? But also, again, just simply to say my life has gotten so busy that like I don't have the time to pursue it is different than saying – I didn't find success immediately, and therefore right. I will quit it. 
right? Because Fair it's enough. like, then yes. you didn't want it, right? Fair Still enough. wanting yeah, yeah. something, but knowing that you don't have the ability to do it at that time. Same thing as that football thing that I was talking about. Sure. You, know, like, you still wish you could have played football, but just the right. time, it's not possible now, right? Like, right. That, like I'd like to totally write fine. for a television, pro, like a network. I'd like to be in like sure. a sitcom yes. writer. At this point in my life, I've begun to accept that probably, prob- in all probability, that's not a, a dream right. that's going to come true. Still something I'd like to do. But right. I'm not actively. Per- I guess. I guess I'm not actively pursuing it, and I never really was. I don't know. See, I think. I, I think I, yeah. Again, I think that that's also a difference of like, like a. This would be nice if, or like, I really would yeah. love to do this, but it's not. It, like, if that was the dream that you had from like age five until like let's say thirty, going. Yeah. I'm going to be a sitcom writer. Right. Right. If that was the case, then like maybe. But like the idea of being like, what are some of the things that I could see myself doing that I would like? Yeah. Right. That like something that you have a passion or an, an affinity to, right? Yeah. Is different than being like, this is my true goal in life. Right. And then immediately dropping it just because there's no success. Right. And that sort of thing drives me nuts. Do you know? I agree. Um, uh, the good thing about our show is that it will never end. It well is that it'll never end. Um, the good thing about our show that I was thinking of is I'm not doing it and you're not doing it because we want to be famous. Right. Being famous or well renowned or invited to things or whatever. Correct. Is just gravy, and that I think is actually the way that I. I think that's the reason I why want to do all of my creative stuff. This works. Yeah. 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 I mean, and I think that's the other thing too, right? It's like there was a point in my life where definitely I was like, oh, I want to be this type of artist or this type of artist or whatever, like as a living. And it's yeah. like, I still would love that. Like that particular yeah. aspect of it. I like, I think part of that is about being realistic with the goal versus, yeah. you know, whatever. But it's like, you know, um, I don't know. I feel like I'm just, I'm kind of repeating yeah. myself over and over again. So like I'm going to move the, on. But the, when, as shaved their mustache off mm-hmm. and drew a fake mustache on, to, to win Odd Boss, mm-hmm. the reactions of you and me and the audience and the other contestants, that's what that's what it's that's what it's all about. Just right. like that that lives in my mind. Just the everyone in the chat being like, what did you do? Like yeah. just across the board, that's what that's what I'm here for. You know, when we when we, you know, kill each other laughing or we, we come up with a good conversation topic like this, that's what it's for. That's what it's all about. Mm-hmm. And if ever and if people listen to it and enjoy it, awesome. We'd be doing it Amen. anyway. Yeah. So I agree. Well, should we give up on this episode and buy <laughs> some time? Uh what if we stuck with it for a good another ten to fifteen years just to see if it works itself out? Oh, I don't. I don't mean the uh-huh. podcast like as a whole. I meant the podcast episode. Oh, I know. Oh, okay. So mm, the problem is my <laughs> computer does say that my record max right now is twenty four days. All so right. Cool. 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 Eventually, we do have to stop long enough for me to get rid days. of some memory. <laughs> like the memory of the prospect of doing this one episode for ten to fifteen years. So yes, mm-hmm. let's get out of here. Um, everyone, thank you for listening. We are having a blast talking about these 1970 time heist episodes. I'm I'm loving the idea of Easter eggs for things that you haven't seen the normal thing of. 
yet. That where it's is like, oh, fun, this yeah. is a fun thing. And you're like, and this will mean something to you in the future. That's a, a lot of fun. I'm having a lot of fun with it. Um, so join us very soon for another one of those and then another one of those after that. Um, and then more episodes of Timeline Scavengers because that's how this show works. Anyways, until as always, until the end of time, I am James Anderson. And I'm Colin Parker. And let it be known that Werner Reinhardt is still in prison. I wonder what he wishes that he didn't get from his father. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.